Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Well, that ought to change things a bit. <laughs> oh, man. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. I am glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Anybody else glad to be in the house of the Lord on Mother's Day? Amen. Happy Mother's Day, by the way, to all the mothers that are here. Um, I think I mentioned this in the past, but in the Hispanic culture, we celebrate Mother's Day every 10th of May. So, you know, we don't call it Mother's Day. We call it May 10th, you know. So... So, so you may hear people ask, so, so you know, so, so what are you going to do for May 10th? They, they are talking about Mother's Day. And as well as Cinco de Mayo, which is May 5th, you know, so, you know, we go by fives in, in Hispanic culture. But anyways, um, like I said, I, before I, I continue to talk, which I can do very well, I want to give honor to Pastor and Sister Valerie for the opportunity to, to be here and teach the word this morning. I do not take it lightly, and uh, I want to give them the highest honor. Um, because they, they surely do deserve it as our leaders. Um, I also want to honor Brother Trey Henderson. He is, you know, as you all know, the, the system director for Christian development. So, you know, he's, he's the reason why I'm here this morning. He put me in schedule. So um, if you have your Bibles, and I forgot to give um, notes to the sound team or visuals team. So please bear with me, Brad. I'm so sorry, brother. Um, but if, if, if you all can uh, stand to your feet for the reading of the word. I know I have this, this thing of reading full chapters and books. Um, I'm not going to do that this morning, okay? So you all may rest easy. And, and even if I do, like I said in the past, you're going to be standing for five, ten minutes at the most, and you'll be sitting down for the rest of the time. So, you know, just, just bear with me. But, but today we're going to take a reading from the book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans, chapter 5. And... Verses 17 through 21. Amen. If you got it, say amen. Amen. All right. So I'll read for you. The Bible says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as, one, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So this is talking about Adam here. So by the obedience of one, it's talking about Jesus, shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And I want to teach this subject this morning, dead or alive. Dead or alive. Before we start, can we, can we pray for the word this morning? I'm sorry. 
Um, can you stretch a hand up to, to, to God, and, and, and let's pray for the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, we love you, we thank you, Lord. And Lord, we pray for the, your word this morning, Lord. We pray that you prepare our hearts and our minds to receive this word today, Lord. And Lord, I pray that, 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 that the anointing flows through me, Lord, as, I'm, as I get ready to, to, to say this word this morning, Lord. Anoint our voice, I know my voice, Lord, anoint our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. You all may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. Now, as you all may know, we've been doing these series, uh, you know, that are, are out. Brother Henderson, hi. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking out loud. I'm so sorry. Brother Henderson, hi. Um, so, so we're doing these series, you know, um, going, you know, lesson by lesson and doing all that. And sometimes these lessons are, are kind of easy to follow. You know, they're, they're a little bit easy to, to, to comprehend. Sometimes they're a little hard. And, and, and not only the, the, the accounts that it gives are hard, or sometimes the lesson may be hard, but this time, the title for me was hard. So I read the title, which is Dead or Alive, and then I read the lesson once or twice, and I'm like, what does this have to do with Dead or Alive? When you think of the word Dead or, dead, dead or Alive, you may think of, you know, of a fugitive, you know, in the old country, you know, we want this person dead or alive because, you know, we really want him to stop committing the crimes that they've been committing, and so we, we want this person, whether they're dead or whether they're alive. But the way I'm seeing it more after reading and after considering these, these, um, these lessons is that this is indeed a question. Are we dead or are we alive, right? It is a question, a question that we must consider, and it's only one that we can answer ourselves, right? We can, we can look at our lives, we can see, and, and, and we can answer the question we, whether we're dead or alive. No one else can answer this for us. I cannot ask, you know, my, my, my wife or anybody around, am I dead or am I alive? And I'm talking spiritually, okay? I'm not talking about, you know, you know just <laughs> being walking. But, you know, are we dead in our sins and our transgressions, right? Knowing how far we've come in life, only we can answer that question. Are we dead, right? Or are we alive? Are we redeemed by the blood of Jesus, have we received this mercy, and are we living a life of righteousness and justice? Are we dead or are we alive? Right? If you're here this morning, you must know that only through Jesus we can live again. Amen? He can give us life after being dead to our sins and our transgressions. Right? Because in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says, Because all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We have all sinned. Right? I, myself, you know, I probably sin more than everybody in here, right? But who said amen? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, she, so we're there. You know, I heard something, but maybe the, alarm, the alarms are going off. But anyways, you know, we, we, we've all sinned, right? We've all f- have fallen short of the glory of, of, of God. And that's, and that's the truth. That's our nature as humans. We are sinners. We must understand that sin causes death. Maybe not physical death, but definitely spiritual death. And we can be a dead man walking. And, and that's uh, what Brother, Brother um, Mitchell taught, you know, a couple of weeks back about a dead man walking. And while preparing for this, you know, it, it, he was talking about, about, about Jesus then. But, but seeing it this way, we can also be dead men walking. We can be dead in our transgressions. We can be dead in our sins. We may still be alive physically, but deep down in our spiritual life, we may be dead. 
So no, uh, so we, we want to we want to understand that sin is introduced uh, sin introduced death into humanity. That's what sin did, right? Human beings were created as living souls. The creation accounts in the first two chapters of Genesis focus on the creation of people from different perspectives, right? We, we read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over, the, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, right? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and, every, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So that's why we're celebrating Mother's Day today, because somebody obeyed that command, right? But... You know, likewise, the, the first found in Genesis 1, right, reveals both male and female are created in the image of God, right? Both share equal blessings and responsibilities, right? They're, they're, they, they're both called to have dominion. They're both blessed, right? But God blessed both of them. And then we go to Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 7, we'll starting in verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. That's what happened, right? When, when, when the Spirit of God is in us or is, you know, is being breathed in us, we are alive, right? We become a living soul. And, the Lord, uh, uh, and, and then we go down to verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should, should be alone. I will make him in help meet for him, right? And, and this is when he created the, the, the woman, he created Eve, right? And we go down to verse 21 now. And the Lord God caused deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Verse 22. And the rib which the Lord God taken from the man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. Now, we can go in depth as to what this means, right? We can go in depth as to why Eve was created, why did it take it from the, you know, why was she taken from Adam's rib? Why did he have to fall? You know, we can go deep, 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 deep. And I remember Brother, uh, Brother Whitley's, you know, at, a, at the marriage retreat. I don't know how many of you all were there. He, he went really, really deep into the meaning of, of why, was, why this account happened, you know, in marriage. But this has to do with marriage, not really. I mean, it all ties in together, right? But, you know, but in the second account in Genesis, you know, it emphasizes the material and immaterial aspects of human existence. Physically, humans are made from earth, right? You know, he took up dirt and he made, you know, Adam. Their immaterial component springs from the breath of life, breathe, unto, breathe into human nostrils by the Lord God. So until God breathed into Adam, he was, he was just a pile of dirt, right? But once that, that breath took place, once that, that breath of life took place, he became a living soul. Now, these two accounts offer no hint of sinfulness, right? Instead, humans are portrayed in hopeful and positive ways. Why? Because after this happened, Adam began to walk with God, right? Adam was, you know, there was no sin that was introduced, right? Though they were made of earth, which God had just created, humans are more intimately related to their creator than any other created thing. God decides to have relationship with, with, with humans instead of everything else, else that he created. You know, I'm sure, you know, having relationship with those other things may have some impact, but not as much as it, as it does to us as humans, 
God has personally breathed into human nostrils. The result is the image of God, right? He, made us, he, made, he has made us unto his image, right? Supremely blessed and capable. But to be made in God's image includes the fact that people possess the power of choice. That's the only, I want to say, problem that may occur to us as humans is that we have that power of choice. Now, there's a question here, and, and you don't have to answer it, but if you want to write it down, maybe write down your answer. You know, you, you can. But it, it asks, do you agree with the idea that the power of choice is the greatest power people possess? Why or why not? We can look at it in two different ways. We can look at it, yes, it, it's a good thing, or no, it's not a good thing, right? But we all make choices in our lives every day. That's, 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 that's true, right? We, we all make choices every day both knowingly and unknowingly. How many times you found yourself doing something unknowingly and you come to find out, I did that, you know? That just happened. But from simple decisions like, you know, um, it gives examples here like what to eat for dinner or what to wear to work. Those of you that wear a uniform don't really have to struggle that much, but those of you that have to dress up for work, you know, you may have to take those, those choices, those decisions. Uh, to the heavier ones, you know, so, so it could be something as light as, as, as what to eat or what to wear or something as heavy as, you know, um, as who to be friends with, right? Who, who, are, who are you going to choose to be your friends? Who are you going to let to come into your circle, right? Uh, to whether to change jobs, you know, that's a big decision. That's a big choice you may take. And there's a truth that, that we all must, must embrace, and that, and that is that everyone has the power of choice, we, we all have the power to choose, right? Your choices decide your fate, and that's, why, and, and that's what we must realize, right, about choices. They decide our fate, and every step you take will determine your destiny, right? And de it depends where you're walking. It depends where you're heading because that will determine how far you'll get or, or to where you'll get, right? I know Pastor gave an example last time. Even one degree at, at launch, right, at, at, of a space shuttle can land you thousands and thousands of miles away. So every step we take, right, every decision we make is important, right? The power of choice can determine our whole future, right? What we choose to do will determine our entire future, right? Whether that's good or whether that's bad, right? In a way, uh, in a way the, the power of choice we have is good, right, as long as we make good choices. You cannot make a bad choice and expect good and a good outcome. Right? You cannot take bad decisions every morning, every day, and expect things to go right. As well, you cannot take you know, good decisions every day and expect things to go wrong and expect things to, to come out bad, to have a bad outcome. You know? But since God has the freedom to choose, so do humans. Right? Since this, so God warned Adam to avoid the one thing that would destroy him. Right? So, so, so in the creation, God created Adam. He gave him the power to choose. But then he gave him a warning, right? Um, in Genesis 2, uh, verses 16 through 17, it gives the account of what happened, right? And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt eat is thereof, thou shalt surely die. He's, he's telling him, look, you have a choice, right? Here's your, your power. You can choose to eat out of any other tree, Right? but not this one. So in the end, the, the choice that Adam took determined how the outcome would be, right? So, so because he has that power, you know, I, I, was, I, was, um, I was speaking with my wife yesterday. I was like, it's, it's what we choose to do that determines, you know, 
how things will, will end up. And that, I'm just beating a dead horse right now. But both Adam and Eve exercised their freedom of choice to disregard this warning, right? They chose not to, to obey God, and they decided to eat out of the tree. And both suffered the consequence. In this case, it was death. They both suffered death. Even in temptation, we have the power of choice, right? Um, so, so, so in our choices, do we give into temptation or do we choose to seek righteousness, right? Do we choose to give into temptation or do we choose to seek righteousness, right? And we can speculate that Adam and Eve were forced to eat out of the tree, right? Like the snake was, you know, eat, eat, eat out of it, you know, pushing Eve, you know, go eat out of it. But no, what, what, the, what, the, what, the, what, the, what the what the snake did it only, it only made her think, you know, made her think about it. So if I eat, will I die? Will I really die? Or, or, or will my eyes just be open? You know, that's what happened in the accounts. But the reality is that even though she was being tempted, she still had the choice to give in to the temptation or not. And unfortunately, you know, we all know the story. She chose wrong, and it caused a wrong outcome. You know, um, like I said, we can speculate that Adam and Eve were forced to eat of the tree by the serpent, but in the end, it was their choice. They were given the command by God himself not to eat of the tree. Otherwise, they would die, but they chose to disobey. They chose disobedience. You know, my, my wife shows me these TikToks about people that choose violence. You know, they're just funny dogs biting stuff that they shouldn't be biting. But anyways, but since neither had experienced physical death at the time, some think God mercifully changed his mind, right? Because God could have killed Adam and Eve right then and there. But it shows us in Genesis 5 and 5 that Adam lived to be 930 years. You know, I'm, I'm 25 and I'm experiencing some back pains already. You know, I'm, I'm contemplating standing here any longer. You're older. Yeah, yeah, I hear stuff like that and I get worried. But, you know, you know, God could have killed Adam and Eve right then and there, right? You know, you disobedient people, I'm going to you know, kill you, take care of you. But, no, we, we, we see that God shows mercy to them, and he allows them to live physically. But deep down, they may be still dead spiritually, right? However, God's warning was not about physical death, right, but about spiritual death, right? It is possible to still be physically and spiritually dead at the same time, and that is a bad place to be. Right, we, 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 that's how we become a dead man walking. Right, that's why, how we are dead inside, and you know, in our soul and spiritually, but physically we are, we are alive and we're dead. You know, in our sins. So our choices will determine our outcome. Right, we all know that. Right, like I said, good choices, good outcome; bad choices, bad outcome. So we must choose wisely through the power and the direction of the Holy Ghost. Amen. James 1 and 5 says it this way, if any, man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and uprighteth not, and it shall be given to him. Right. So if you need wisdom, the Holy Spirit can give you that wisdom. Right. If, if, if all your life you've been making bad choices, bad you know, decisions, you may need some wisdom. And, and, and the only way that we can get wisdom, James 1 and 5 says it this way, we must ask God. We can ask God and he will give it to us. Right. So, 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 so. So what happened to Adam and Eve in this case is that they became spiritually dead. Uh, the Bible, uh, I mean, Bible references death are always about a kind of separation, right? When, when the Bible speaks about, about death, it, it, it talks about separation, right? When Adam and Eve, you know, uh, died spiritually, they became separated from the garden. They became separated from the presence of God. And spiritual death is a result of sin, Right, and we read in, in Romans 1, 28, um, I mean, chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. 
And I'm reading from, uh, from the King James. Uh, I'm sorry, I read NIV there. I'm sorry. And even as, uh, so the Bible says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate. The NIV says uh, a depraved mind, right? A, a, a bad mind to those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, uh, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgments of God, that they which commit such things are are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them doing them, right? So in other words, death is the punishment for sin, right? Sin equals death. So if you sin, you deserve to die. And that's what it says here in, 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 in Romans 1, you know, 1, 29, 30. Only scratch the surface about it. But every action listed on, 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 on this passage, there it goes deep into actions that we may choose to do on a day-to-day basis. And like it says in the end, they are worthy of death. All these actions, all, all, all these things that, that humans have, and all these things that I just read that, you know, I couldn't pronounce some of them, so I apologize. But some of these things... In the end, it says they are worthy of death. All this sin is worth is worthy of death. We must uh, we have to understand that Adam did not become an, a living soul until God breathed into him. The human body is lifeless until the until I mean lifeless without the spirit of God. So until God breathes into them, you are dead. Right after committing the sin in the in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve experienced a spiritual death. They were separated from fellowship with God. The presence of God in our lives, or the lack thereof, determines our living status. It will determine whether we're dead or alive. Amen? So, so we go um, now to Romans 5 and 12 and 14. So as our result of their sin, Adam and Eve were expelled from Eden. And Paul wrote this idea in, in a variety of places. So we go to Romans 5 and 12, uh, and then down to verse 14. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and this way death came to all people because all sinned, right? Sin was introduced to humanity. I mean, death was introduced to humanity by sin, right? And, and we go down to verse 14. Nevertheless, uh, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even to those who did not sin by breaking the command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. So saying that, that since that time, sin has been, an ongoing issue, even in, in even uh, in the time of Moses, you know, all this thing was happening. E- even even they were able to be redeemed, right? By 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 the by the um, by giving up a sacrifice, they were still sinners, right? And uh, Ephesians two and one, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, right? It's speaking to us, we were dead in our transgressions and sin. The death to which these texts refer to is not physical death, but a separation from fellowship with God. Spiritual death, death because of sin. This is happening. You know, because of our sin, we are spiritually dead. It was causing separation, right? It's causing separation from God. And then we, we, we can speak about also physical death, right? So the Garden of Eden contained many trees, but only two had special significance. The tree of life was there to provide an opportunity for Adam and Eve to live forever. That's what the tree was there for. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil gave them an opportunity to exercise their freedom of choice. This option was necessary to make their relationship with God meaningful. God loved them, and he wanted them to live, I mean, to love and in return. But love is meaningful only when it's a choice. 
right? He gave him that choice. And when you choose to love God, that, mean, that brings even more meaning to, 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 to the love that you have for God, right? God loved him, like I said, but love is meaningful only when it's a choice. So after sin, right, Adam and Eve were exiled from Eden to prevent them from eating from the tree of life and live forever, right? And so that's what happened in Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. The Bible says, and the Lord God said, behold, this, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So, so God was saying, so, so now he knows the knowledge of, of good and evil. So, so what now? Is he going to eat from the tree of life and live forever? No. So therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden. He, uh, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden to till the ground from whence it was taken. That's what happened. So, so now their punishment is not only that they're separated from God and they're, and they're not going to live forever, but now they have to work the ground, which at one point they had dominion over. So now they have to, you know, and those are the penalties of sin. You know, it just goes bad and it goes from bad to worse. So the tree of life was not there to impart eternal life, right? I mean, yeah, the tree of life was not there to impart eternal life or salvation. It was there to preserve Adam and Eve from physical death, right? It was there to help them not die in a physical way. It would not do for them to continue to inhabit in the garden in the state of rebellion against God. It, it, it wouldn't have been good. You know, they've already rebelled against God. Like, and that's why they were kicked out because God pretty much saw them. So they already ate of that tree. What are they going to do next, right? So from the earliest days of human history, relationship with God has made been possible by faith, not by eating from a tree, right? So, and, and so we look, you know, um, back at every character in the Bible, and it says that they were all doing things by faith, right? By faith to God. And, 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 and like it says here in, in the commentary, right? So from, from the earliest days of human history, relationship with God was made possible by faith and not by eating from a tree. Thank goodness we don't have to eat from a tree now to have, you know, relationship with God. But by faith, we can have relationship with God. Amen? So in order to have a pleasing relationship with God, we must operate by faith, right? Uh, Hebrews 1, I mean, Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is what, what faith is. And then we go down to verse 6. says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Right? Those, those characters in the Bible that, that lived their life... Uh, by faith or that had a relationship with God by faith was because they were pleasing God, right? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? For he has come to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, right? So in order to have a pleasing relationship with God, again, we must operate by faith, right? If I want to have a good relationship with my, my, my wife, I must, you know, I must, uh, I must, Please her, you know, please her, her, her demands, right? If she's asking for chocolates, I got to get her chocolates, right? But God is only asking for faith, right? God is only asking for faith, you know? I'm not going to reteach Brother Tom's lesson um, for the men's, from the men's meeting. I'm not going to. That's an inside joke. So if you guys were at the men's meeting, <laughs> you know exactly what, what he was talking about. And, um, yeah. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm sorry. Brother Tom, God bless you. Good lesson. Good lesson. I really learned a lot from there. But we must realize that the wages of sin are death, right? That, that, that's what I'm trying to get at. The wages of sin are death, right? If we sin, we are going to die. The connection between sin and death is seen in Romans 6 and 23, right? For the wages of sin is death. That's what it's saying. 
This is not a reference to physical death, which everyone will experience, right? The death viewed in Romans 6.23 is separation from fellowship with God, as experienced by Adam and Eve. So in Romans 5.21, Paul explained a carefully worded argument about the negative universal impact of Adam's sin. And that's where we take our text from this morning, right? And let me read it to you all real quick. I'm reading from the New International Version, uh, Romans 5, 12 through 21. The Bible says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that was through Adam, and death through sin, you know, that's the action they committed, and, and in this way death came to all people because all have sinned, right? We're all, like I said, we're all sinners, right? We're all sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, right? So, so even before God gave Moses the law, there was already sin. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there's no law. Nevertheless, de- death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, right? Even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as did Adam. Who is a pattern of one to come, right? So, so it's, it's, it's giving the parallelism of, of Adam and, and Jesus, right? But, but we'll get to that in a minute. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if many die by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of, one, of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to for many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Amen. Consequentially, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, also, also, one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. So it's pretty much saying if, 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 one, if the decision of one to sin brought condemnation to all people, Jesus' sacrifice, right, in, in the righteous act that he did resulted in justification and life for all people. We have life through Jesus. Amen. For as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will, uh, many will be made righteous, right? So, so it says the decision that Adam took to, to, to sin, to eat from the tree, to disobey God, made it so, so that we, we were all made sinners, right? But now through Jesus, right, through the obedience, you know? So that's the opposite. Adam disobeyed, Jesus obeyed, right? He was obedient even to the end, right? Obedience to the one man, the many will be made righteous. So through Jesus' obedience, we are all made righteous, Amen. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? So, so sin, again, will cause death, but Jesus Christ our Lord will bring us salvation and will bring us life. Amen? So the consequence of sin upon humanity was universal death, Right? This is not a reference to physical death, but to separation from fellowship with God. Adam was apparently created as a mortal being. Only by eating of the tree of life could he have lived forever in the physical body. But death is not extinction, but it is separation, right? So, 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 so then we may find ourselves dead in our trespasses and our sins, right? Because we all have sinned, right? Romans 1.18 you know, um, speaks about the wrath of God to those that have sinned, right? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in righteousness. 
So the beginning chapters in the book of Romans, so Romans 1, 2, and 3, talk about the wrath of God. It talks about how we're all, you know, all these dirty sinners, you know, we're all sinners. We're, we're you know, dirty, filthy, dead in our transgressions, and we are in need of salvation. That's what Romans speaks about in the first uh, three, you know, two and, and the beginning of three speaks about that. And, and, and then we read, you know, again in Romans 1, 29 through 32, uh, it speaks of it this way. Uh, it, it says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity. You know, you got to realize these are bad things, right? These are the things that, that we are filled with, right? It says, you know, these don't mean good things if you look it up in the dictionary. I happen to do that if you guys want my notes. Um, <laughs> whispers, backbiters. I always wonder what a backbiter was. If you look it up, it's, it's something fun. <laughs> backbiters. Haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, all the mothers say amen, <laughs> without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, right? And we, we spoke about it earlier. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them, right? Paul lets us know that all these actions, right, even, even though we might enjoy these things, right? Like, like it says right there, look, you know, we have pleasure in them. You know, we may have pleasure in them. So even though we may enjoy them or find, or find pleasure in them, they are worthy of death. They are worthy of spiritual death. So we deserve to die because of our sins against God. Death is the just punishment to our sins and iniquities, right? We deserve to die. That's where we're heading in our sins, right? And, and it, this, this might be an eye-opener to you. You know, you know we, we may become so comfortable in sin sometimes that we don't see nothing wrong with it, right? But we have to realize, we have to come to the understanding that Paul says, even though we may enjoy doing these things, even though we may find pleasure in these things, the, 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 the punishment for this, the just punishment for this, uh, for this will be death, yeah. right? So... Uh, Romans 2, 1 and 2, it, it, it speaks of it this way, right? Therefore, and, and, and that's how it continues to the next uh, chapter. Uh, it says, therefore thou art inexcusable. He said, there's no excuse for you, O man. Whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. And I'll, I'll, I'll break that down in a little bit. For thou had judges doth, I mean, for thou that judges does the same things. But we are sure that, that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things, right? So we will be judged by the sins that we commit, amen? And we may find it right to judge somebody for their sins, not knowing that we're condemning ourselves because we all have sin, right? And, and I read a commentary that says it this way. Uh, when we decide to judge others for things we've done, you may as well be a stinky person, talking about stinky people that are around you. So we may believe that we have it all together. We may not realize that there may be sin in our lives as a result. And as a result, right, it, it will cloud our, our judgment. It will, it, it will change our, our, the way we, we, we judge people. It, it will change the way we see things, right? Like it says, sir, we can be that stinky person, that stinky, you know, smelly person around stinky group of people and say, man, they stink, you know? You know, the other day I was cutting grass, and I came, this was Friday before the, the men's meeting, I was cutting grass, and I came in, and I was just sweating it all, and um, I, I go to my wife, I say, hey, should I take a shower before men's, I, I was going to take a shower, I did take a shower before men's meeting, and, um, 
And uh, she's like, yeah, you definitely need a shower, you know. And I know Pastor was telling the ground the other day, you know, if, 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 if I would have got around him and like, man, you stink while I'm stinky, you know. That, that's the image that this, that this verse is trying to portray, right? It's saying, you know, it's saying in, in there in Romans 2 and 1, therefore thou art excusable. So there's no excuse for you, right? You're already dirty. And, you know, whatsoever thou judges, wherein thou judges another, you're condemning yourself, right? When you're, when you're judging others for, for their filthiness, for their sin, you might as well be condemning yourself because you too are a sinner. I'm not saying you, we all, you know. Our sinners, right? <clears throat> Romans 2 and 5 says it this way. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. Wrath, <clears throat> When his righteous judgment will be revealed, right? So when we live in sin, not only are we suffering in this life, right? But we are storing future wrath when the judgment of God is revealed, whenever God judges. So, so, so in our sins, we, not, we, we, we may not only feel bad in this life, but the wrath that is to come from God is also going to, you know, be part of the judgment. All this will happen when God punishes sin and all sinners. So depending on where you stand today, you may be anxiously waiting for that day, or you need to get it together and get prepared, right? You know, we, we look at things, you know, that, that separate, you know, for example, uh, you know, you, you, you may see a, a caged animal behind the cage. You know, and if you're okay with that, if you're good on this side, you're good. But once you're the caged animal, it may, you may have a different point of view of that, right? I don't know if I'm going somewhere with that, but that, that, that's just an example I had, you know. But, um, but yeah, so, so, so depending on where you stand today, you may be anxiously waiting, right? So, so, so you may be like, oh, I have it all together. I'm all good. God can come right now and show his wrath, and I'll be good, right? Or you can be like, I need to get it together. I need to come to an altar and repent, you know. I'm not ready for that, all that wrath yet, you know. I'm not, I'm not ready for all that. Give me a minute, you know. So, you know, but, 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 that's, but that's, that's to the point where we have to get, whether, you know, you know, we all need to get prepared. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just going around. I'm sorry. Please, please write me back when my wife is so far, she can't do that. Um, but uh, we go down to Romans 3, 9 through 10. So what then? Are we better than they? No. And no, and no, and no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous but one. Amen. So, so the Apostle Paul writes in the first two chapters of Romans, describing how sinful we are. And in chapter three now, he lets the Jews know that this message is for them also. It is for the Jews and for the Gentiles, right? And the Jews may have been, they're saying, oh, look at all the Gentiles over there sinning. But Paul is saying, no, Jews as well as Gentiles, are sinners. We're all sinners, right? Because there is none righteous but one, and that is Jesus. Amen? We're all sinners in desperate need of salvation and deliverance. Otherwise, we will receive God's, God's wrath and judgment. Amen? If we don't repent from our sins, if we don't change our ways. And then we go down to Romans 3, chapter, uh, I mean, Romans chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It may be different from what you have up there. It says, but if if our unrighteousness serves, serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? And, 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 and uh, Paul is saying that I speak in, in a human way. He's like, I'm thinking like a human. He said, he said this is my thought, but this is not God. But the answer is, by no means. He's like, no way. For then how could God judge the world, right? So, so explaining here, Paul asks, is God so unjust that he will inflict wrath upon us, Right? 
He's asking, well, God is just, right? But is he so unjust that he will inflict wrath upon us? And the answer is no, by no means. This is God's position as a judge. It's not that he's being unjust. This is just what he is, he's, he is to do. He will judge. He's, he's, he's the one that's going to judge. And his position requires him to punish sin. That is who he is. He is our judge. You know, he's going to judge us, and that is what he's going to do. He's going to judge us. So he's asking, you know, is, is he so righteous that he will inf inflict wrath on us? And the answer is, is no. It's just that's what he has to do. It's not because he's unrighteous. It's because he is our judge. And in the end, he will judge sin. Amen? So by knowing this, we all understand that we all need a Savior. Amen? So since, it's, since sin is so universal, all people need a savior, right? Paul did not discuss this truth only in Romans, but in his letter to the Galatians, he made the same point in Galatians uh, 3 and 22. It says, but the scripture has concluded all under sin, that the, promise, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe, right? In other words, there is hope, amen? Even, even before Jesus' birth, um, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and the angel informed him of the name to be given to Mary's son and the reason for that name. So we go to Matthew 1 and 21. The Bible says, um, and she shall bring forth a son. And this is the angel speaking to, to, to Joseph. <clears throat> and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So literally, Jesus' name means Yahweh Savior or Jehovah Savior. Amen. He is Savior. He shall save. Amen. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to save us from our sins, from our sinful past, from our sinful ways. Amen? And there's abundant testimony in the New Testament to the fact that Jesus is the Savior of, of, all, of all who come to him by faith. Amen? So I have a list of scripture that I'm not going to read because, you know, I know I don't got that much time. But if you want to write, write it down on your notes and maybe look at it later, there's Luke 2.11, John 4 and 42. Acts 5 and 31, Acts 13 and 23, Ephesians 5 and 23, 2 Timothy 1 and 10, Titus 1 and 4, Titus 2 and 13, Titus 3 and 6. Uh, I'll focus out of hard time pronouncing this, please. Philemon? 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 I was way off. Philemon 3 and 20. Second uh, Peter one and one, and First John four and fourteen. So these are all accounts that Jesus is the Savior, right? It's just reiterating the fact or the point that Jesus is our Savior to all those to come to Him by faith, right? We must have faith and believe that Jesus can and will save us, right? Acts four and twelve says it this way: it says neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no uh, none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The only name that can save is the name of Jesus, amen? Only Jesus can save. He's the only one that can save from our sins, amen? And that's what Jesus came to do, right? He came to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins, right? First uh, Corinthians 15 and 45 reads, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickened spirit, right? And, and that's that correlation I was speaking about earlier, the, the parallelism with the first Adam and the last Adam, right? So to grasp the significance of this birth, uh, birth as it relates to salvation, we must read it in its immediate context. And, and, and this happens in 1 Corinthians 5 and 12, and I don't have it with me. I forgot to write it down. 
right? But, uh, but we go to 1 Corinthians 15 and 42. The Bible says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in corruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised in the spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body is what it's saying. How be it? That, uh, that was not first which is spiritual, but that, is which, uh, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is, is of earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So it's giving comparison, right? The first Adam that came, he had all these attributes, right? There was a natural body, but now Jesus came. Now we have a spiritual body, amen? We have the, the spirit of Christ, right? And um, so it gives all these examples. It gives these, all these comparisons of how Adam came to fulfill these things, but then Jesus came to erase all that, to change all that, right? And um, Romans 8, 9, 9 through 11, it says, But ye are not in flesh, right, but in the Spirit. It's reminding us we are in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, right? But the Spirit, the spirit is life because of righteousness, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the death dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the death shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So we're no longer dead, right? And spiritually, now we're alive because Jesus is in us. Amen? We've received Jesus and therefore we live again. Amen? Uh, Galatians 4, 3 to 6. Uh, Even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. And, and that's what I was talking about earlier. All those things that we have, may have committed, we were all bonded. Uh, we were under bondage to those things in the world. But when the fullness of the time was, was come, was come, God sent for his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son to your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So, so, so not only are we living again, but now we have a closer relationship with, with Jesus, calling him Abba, Father, which is, you know, a term of endearment. So, so, so not only are we, are we now going from death to sin to now live again by righteousness, but we're also being adopted as a son in Christ. Amen? And that's, that's something to be glad about. Amen? Amen. And, 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 and with that comes the free gift of God. And I don't know how much time I got, so I'll, I'll try to run through this. I, have, um, I think I should have time. So Romans 6 and 23, uh, you know, it reminds us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. What gift is it talking about, right? You know, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? So notice the contrast between the wages of sin in Romans 6 and 23, like we just read. So we earn wages, right? As we know, we earn wages by the work we do, right? We do not earn gifts. By the work we do, we do, we do not earn gifts. I wish I would, I, I could, but, you know, we don't. But we earn wages by our work. Notice also the contrast between death and eternal life, right? Because, you know, the consequence of one is death, but the, the gift of the other one is eternal life. So the consequence of sinful behavior is separation from fellowship with God Eternal life, which can also be described as life forever in God's presence, is a free gift from God. As Peter said on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost is a gift, right? It says, repent, be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is a gift that is given to us, amen? And that gift is, is it, not only are we saved, right, but we, are, we have the ability to now be in God's presence forever, amen? So, so, so we go from, like I said, being dead in our sins 
needing, uh, uh, needing to be saved from our sins, right? Needing to be made righteousness. So now we have the gift of God in us, and now we can be with him eternally. And that's what Adam couldn't do. He couldn't be with, with God eternally because he was kicked out because of his sins. But now because of Jesus, we can live again, and we can live forever in his presence. Amen? And lastly, we got to trust that uh, we got to trust the sacrifice that Jesus made for us is sufficient for my sins, right? The sacrifice that he did is, is enough, is sufficient. You know, it, there's a scripture that says once for all, right? Once and for all. We, and we use that phrase, you know, I'm going to do this once and for all. Finish it. You know, that's it. It's done. So according to Paul, in this gospel, is, is, is the most simple form, right? And six, uh, Romans 6 and 23, it says, For the wages, of, uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right, so so to receive the benefit of, of this good news, it is essential to believe in Jesus, right? Like John three sixteen said, right? For for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, right? That He He they that may believe shall not perish but have eternal life, right? So that's a promise that we have through Jesus that eternal life, right? And and, and we have to understand that 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 sacrifice that Jesus did was enough to cover our sins. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I'm getting ready to close. Amen, and I understand I was all over the place this morning, but I was, I was just really trying to get to my notes. I know uh, Brother Robert spoke, spoke to me a long time ago, and he said, um, when you first start teaching Bible studies, you're not going to have enough notes, and when you do it for a while, you're, you're going to have notes that you're not even going to get to. So I try to get through my notes, but um, I, I'm starting to get to the point, like he was saying, you know, to have you know, enough notes to, 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 have, to have rest. But I, I just want to close with, with this, right? You know, the... The wages of sin are death, is death, right? And, and if, if you're here this morning, you understand that. And that's why you're in church today, amen? To worship God for giving you that life again, right? So who, who are we, right, to ask, to, to ask for a gift like that, like of the Spirit, right? Who are we to, to, to receive that, right? But God looks at us and, and he decides to give it to us, right? In, in Psalms, uh, I forgot what Psalm it was. Uh, I want to say 92, you know, David is speaking, and he's asking, who is man that you have mind of, right? He's asking, who are we as humans that you think about, right? After, after, after Adam sees all the creation, he sees the trees, the oceans, the mountains, everything that God created, the, the space, right? The, the sun, the stars, the moon, everything that God created. All those things are huge compared to man, right? Our whole planet system, the mountains, the trees, there's trees taller than, all the trees are taller than us, right? But who are, who are humans, who are we as men that God has mind of, that he thinks of us, right? That's how much he loves us. That even though everything he created was called good, because God called it good, right? We, we read in the accounts of Genesis, everything that God created, he called it good. But when he created man, what did we call it? Really good. It was really good. So, so he has that mind for us. He, he, he loves us so much that he will give us that salvation. So will you raise your hand and give him thanks this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to